0: What Up America, Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Hope you're having a great day. Doug Gottlieb Show comes to you from, uh, man, it is a glorious day in Southern California. I mean, look, I know I know, we may lose the Super Bowl and all, but all things considered, that uh, it is absolutely spectacular, and and while you say, well, Doug, you always say it's always spectacular. Like, no, I don't say it's always because it's been really cold. You know, forties in the morning. That's, ooh, that's ooh, that's 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 chilly. So, uh, we got a lot to get to. Th- this is a show where we try and make you think. Right, I I understand that generally sports radio, and I've been a part of it for a long time. Sometimes it's just you know simple guy Neanderthal what do you think and then we you know but but i actually want you to think about things and i want you to see things in a different light and i don't know i i always think once you get to this part of the day and the topics have kind of been broken down you got to be a little bit different you got to make people think about the real kind of depth within things you know you ever, you ever you ever get to that that part in your life where you are like man why isn't there more depth in this discussion well let, let's have a little bit of depth in this discussion this is the Doug Gottlieb show on Fox Sports Radio um I saw this and I, th- I thought it was really interesting so there's a there's a guy who has covered the NFL for a long long time and I I've heard his name before but I cannot tell you that i like if you walked up and said, Hey, my name is Hub Arkush, I would say like, Oh yeah, 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 yeah. But I, I remember that thing you did about the guy. Now well now everybody knows who he is. Because well, he offered up that he wasn't gonna vote for Aaron Rodgers to be the MVP because Aaron Rodgers is a jerk and a vaccine denier, and you know, all around kind of curmudgeon, bit of a know it all. All the things that we kind of know Aaron Rodgers to sort of be, we don't know him to be a jerk, but that's, that was basically his take. So of course the Twitter mob and the rest of the media went after him because I, I I would agree with anyone's sentiment. That's not a reason for voting for or not voting for an MVP, but uh, you know, so they went after him. He went on six, seven to the score in Chicago and said this: I don't think you can be the biggest jerk in the league and punish your, your team
2: and your organization and your fan base the way he did and be the most valuable player. It, it, has he been the most valuable on the field? Yeah, you could make that argument, but I don't think he is clearly that much more valuable than, than Jonathan Taylor or uh, or Cooper Cup or, or maybe even Tom Brady. And, and so from where I sit, the rest of it is why he's not going to be my choice. Do I think he's going to win it? Probably, you know, a lot of the voters don't don't approach it the same way that I do. Others do who I've spoken to. Um, but one of the, the ways we get to keep being voters is we're not allowed to say who we are voting for until after the award has been announced. I'm probably pushing the envelope by saying who I'm not voting for.
0: Um, but we're, we're not really supposed to reveal our votes. See, I, I think. I think. Um, I actually think that's a lot more thoughtful an answer than it reads in print. And I actually think it's a little bit more of a reasonable take. Had he not thrown in the that he's a jerk, if he just said like, hey, look, the guy made a circus of the preseason and, you know, they lose three games. Two of them you can put on Aaron Rodgers. One he didn't play in because he didn't get vaccinated. And the second one, now of course, guys that are vaccinated have popped up with COVID, but he didn't get vaccinated. He wasn't cleared, and it wasn't that he knew. He it wasn't that he didn't know. So he, that happens, right? That's one loss, and then the first loss of the season, which I think anyone, even and I'm and you guys have listened to the show for all 15 years we've been doing it, know that I'm a gigantic Aaron Rodgers fan. He looked like a guy who hadn't played football in an entire like. Offseason looked like it was the first time he went out there. So I actually don't think it's the world's worst take. The problem is that he made it very personal, personal saying he's a jerk the league's biggest jerk. That would be I'm waiting for Dan Byer to break out the league's biggest jerk pyramid. That would be an interesting now that. That would be because he has the he has the MVP pyramid. We'll we'll ask him about the MVP pyramid momentarily. But the point is that it's actually not a terrible take. This this is what's amazing about it. I want you to listen to it one more time. Okay, if you the problem was he went personal, but if you actually look at listen to some of the substance to it, you're like you know what. Take, take a listen.
2: I don't think you can be the biggest jerk in the league and punish your, your team and your organization and your fan base the way he did and be the most valuable player. It, it, has he been the most valuable on the field? Yeah, you could make that argument, but I don't think he is clearly that much more valuable than, than Jonathan Taylor or, uh, or Cooper Cup or, or maybe even Tom Brady. And And so from where I sit, the rest of it is why he's not going to be my choice. Do I think he's going to win it? Probably, you know, a lot of the voters don't don't approach it the same way that I do. Others do who I've spoken to. Um, but one of the, the ways we get to keep being voters is we're not allowed to say who we are voting for until after the award has been announced. I'm probably pushing the envelope by saying who I'm not
0: voting for. Um, but we're, we're not really supposed to reveal our votes. So, so here's the thing. People go and they're going to attack him and they're going to go. He doesn't deserve his vote. He should. So... Um, Hub, our went back on the score today and had this to say. I made
2: a, a big mistake last night, and, and it really, uh, it, it doesn't really have much to do with Aaron Rodgers. It's on me. You know, I, I screwed up. All you can do is own it.
0: Yeah. Um, that's what we do. We, we, we put people into submission until they admit that they made some sort of mistake.
3: It's you not know, personal. At, it's strictly the, business.
0: You know, so look, here's the deal. Okay. I think this exposes the truth about all voting. Everybody carries in a bias. They just do. You know, people carry in a bias. What team do you watch the most? So think about your own team. Okay. I guarantee we have three gentlemen outside of me who work on this show. Okay. They all love sports. They all watch sports. They probably watch and know more about sports than I do. Bayer knows. I mean, that dude is a, like a savant. Like roster, who's healthy, who's not, who's playing, trending, bet line, mb, you name it. Okay. But as much as, and, and Dan, tell me if I'm not, like the Seahawks are his team. So he's seen most everybody play most every game in the NFL. I guarantee he's watched more snaps of the Seahawks than any team in the league. Is that fair, Dan? That, I mean, is, I know you... that is not only fair, it's correct. Okay. So the point is when it's your team and Ohio State's your college football team you love. When they play well, okay, and or when somebody is playing well, because of your inherent bias of being a fan, you think they're maybe greater than the rest of the world. And when they suck or they're playing poorly, you think it's way worse than anybody. Cause you because you're more mentally and emotionally invested yes and it goes both ways it you know sometimes maybe i'm more in the middle on something as opposed to if people are more
1: polar on it i'm like maybe they aren't as good because i see mistakes or to your point if people are saying they're really good i'm like no they are really good it can go even both ways with that
0: right um jason stewart charger fan fair with you Correct. Okay. Ramos fair with you. When things were going poorly for the Rams, it was the sky is falling, you want everybody fired, Sean Bay's <laughs> an idiot. Now it's like, why isn't Cooper Cup the MVP? And why was everybody so hard on Matt Stafford for a long time? That is correct. Okay. So look, the, the idea is that we all carry these inherent biases in sports and in life. Okay. And I I mean, honestly, I mean this is this is like my life. This is like my career in a nutshell, is I have tried. To be as 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 hard as I can to not ever show or display or really have any biases. Like there are lots of people in sports that are like, well, you really like that guy. Like, no, I don't so a lot of times the people you think I like, I don't. But I try and now that can also work both that can that can work against. Some people want so badly, you know, it's like Hub, for example. Now I'm guessing maybe he was gonna vote Aaron Rodgers. You know, fifth on the MVP value. Now it's maybe second. Just to prove to people like I'm not the worst guy on earth, right? That's what pe- some people do, and that's why you have a a mass amount of voters because everybody has some sort of biases. Most teams, every you cut you you pay attention to certain teams. You watch the standalone games more, even though there's other games. Like that's that's why you have. I mean, that's, that's why Congress is supposed to work, because you have the North, the South, the East, the West, a Dem, Republican. But when you get you pool, generally everybody's thoughts, you, you come up with the best possible solution. I, I don't I think what happened like this is a real discussion of what really is discussed in terms of the MVP. And in all honesty, like it's not the worst take on Earth. It's really not. I mean, I could go through five takes I've heard from. Guys, I work with here at Fox Sports Radio that are way worse takes, and that's not a terrible take. He just he—I don't think he formulated it well in his answer on six seventy the score. Right? If he simply said like, "Hey," he basically hijacked all of their preseason. He hijacked the draft, the preseason. There, you know, and and the two games that could have kept him out of the number one seed was the first game of the season when he wasn't ready to play. No one would argue otherwise. Everybody saw it. Or the Kansas City game where he didn't play because he's not vaccinated, right? Those two things. And you could make a case that maybe with Minnesota, they don't lose the Minnesota game if there isn't all the post-vaccination questions and whatever and wasn't sharp when, when he came back. Plus, remember, he broke his own toe. He was quarantining in his own house. Like, that's all on him. These are all things that he did. No one else did to him. So it's, it's not a crazy statement, but oh yeah, by the way, like, no, you don't take away his vote. That's you're allowed to vote however you want to vote unless they give parameters that you can't vote for like, no, there's no, like, this is how I feel. So yeah, people have personal biases. They just do. And when we say biases, everybody automatically believes that's some sort of negative. It can be a positive. It can be a positive. You can pay attention to a team that other people don't pay attention to. You can overdo it and I'm not going to vote for my own team because of my own team. And that's why you have a huge number of voters and there's going to be outliers and weird votes and I don't know why you voted for people. At the end of the day, you end up getting close to the best possible guy. I want you to think about that for a second. Think about your own team, you know, and how you watch them and how you know them. And that's that's how you feel. It's it's I'll tell you, it's a lot like uh, I'll give you the, the best example for me when Robert Griffin, the won the Heisman Trophy. I had a really hard time with it. If, if you remember that year, OK, and Buyer's the best because he has that that set memory where he, he, he knows what I'm talking about. Uh, oh, when, when you when he um, when, when if you remember that year, the first game of the season they played TCU on a Friday on national television. He was unbelievable. The last game of the season, they played Oklahoma on national television. He was unbelievable. And because those were probably the only two games, the only two games that uh, that most of America saw in regards to Robert Griffin III, he was the overwhelming pick for the Heisman Trophy. Now, again, this is my own personal biases and... I had a lot. I still have friends within the Oklahoma State football program, but back then, you go back ten, fifteen years ago. Like between the players, the coaches, the support staff, I knew everybody there. And his worst game was against Oklahoma State. They got beat. I, I think they got six. It might like sixty-six to three. It was something terrible. Somebody can go look it up. Um, I'm, I'm, but it wasn't just that he played poorly. It was the way in which he blamed teammates, pointed at guys yelling at guys during the game, the things he said after the game, there was there were a lot of people that were around that game that were like I don't like that guy's a phony. That guy's not who he purports to be. He's not this just cuz he played great against TCU like we smacked him and he was he was blaming everybody else. And so I I found it hard because I had watched that game, seen that game, talked to people and talked to their coaches They're like, yeah, we didn't, he wasn't, he didn't do anything against us. And he was a big blamer and he wasn't a leader. So all of these things are real things that happen. It's a real thought that he had. And while I don't agree with the idea of being the biggest jerk, we, we are so focused on that one comment and it did feel personal. And of course, the vaccine, whether you take the vaccine has become this polarizing topic because of political talk, talk, radio, talk, television. Right. Shouldn't be. That it, it, it's basically become, hey, he doesn't like him because he's in because he's an anti-vaxxer, which is not what he said. And I don't believe what he feels, although I don't know if there's a bias against him because he won't get the vaccine. I don't know, I I found it to be a much more interesting topic than just most national sports radio hosts, most local hosts, like, that guy's an idiot, take his vote immediately. Real credit card questions require real people. Someone who understands your issues, works to resolve them with you. That's why Discover offers helpful U.S.-based representatives, available 24-7. Discover, exceptionally common sense. By the way, by the way, again, Hub Barkushi, he does sideline for Westwood One. Okay. And if you've ever done, when you do sideline, I did sideline for one game, and I did play-by-play for two others. and yeah, You do sideline, sideline for TV, for Fox game. You learn so much more, know people of the league. I have relationships now from one weekend in Miami covering those two teams than, than I had in the 10 years previously. So I would also tell you that I'm, I would guess Hub Arkush is not just speaking for himself. He's probably speaking for other people in the NFL who agree with him. It led you to believe that it was really about the vaccine. But he never mentioned the vaccine. He never mentioned him not being vaccinated other than the fact that he didn't play. He didn't play the Chiefs game. And we said it at the time. Everybody said at the time, like, dude, you might have called your team number one seed. And they're they're the team that it matters the most to. One, they can run the football. Two, Aaron Rodgers has played in everything. And three, it's freezing freaking cold in Green Bay. Right? And, and who are the other teams up for the one? seed? Tampa, it's going to be nice. The Rams, they play indoors. The Cowboys, they play indoors. They're the one team that it actually matters to. It's a big thing. Big thing. But here's what happens. It, it's all become about the vaccine. You don't believe me? Aaron Rodgers just responded. Take a listen.
3: I think he's a bum. I think he's an absolute bum. He doesn't know me. I don't know who he is. No one knew who he was probably until yesterday's comments. But, I mean, to, and I listen to the comments, but to say he has mine made up in the summertime, in the off-season, that, you know, I had zero chance of winning to be my opinion should exclude, you know, Future, future votes. Um, You know, his problem isn't with me being a bad guy or the biggest jerk in the league. He doesn't know me. He doesn't know me. He doesn't know anything about me. I mean, I've never met him. I've never had lunch with him. I've never had an interview with him. Um, His problem is I'm not vaccinated. You know, so if he wants to go on a crusade and collude and come up with an extra letter to put on the award just for this season, and make it the most valuable vaccinated player. Then he should do that. But he's a bum, and I'm not going to waste any time worrying about that stuff. He has no idea who I am. He's never, never talked to me in his life. But it's unfortunate that those, those sentiments. It's surprising that he would even say that. To be honest, but yeah, I knew this was possible. Talked about it on Mac a few weeks ago. Um, but crazy.
0: Aaron Rodgers thinks everybody's out to get him and it's all about the vaccine. My, my, my takeaway, and again, I, I don't, part of it is Hub Arcoosh wasn't, I, I, didn't, I don't think he articulated it well enough, but I, when I was listening to him, I'm thinking to myself, all right, first game of the season against the Saints, they played in Jacksonville and they were, he was awful. And everyone, myself included, Who's a, as big an Aaron Rodgers fan as there is, is like, Aaron looked like he wasn't ready to play. Right? Did, did anybody not share that opinion? Bayer, you're our resident Aaron Rodgers hater. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm messing with you. Uh, but everyone shared that opinion, correct? Sure. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it wasn't, and then Aaron was super defensive about it because then when he started playing good, he's like, see, it wasn't about, I just didn't, just didn't play well. It just like, okay, dude, fine. Right? Okay. You know, that, that's like, your, I had this with my kids. I was like, well, the teacher, the test was so hard. The rest of the class, like, I don't care about the rest of the class. You got a D on the test. It's on you. You didn't study. Right? Like, no, no, no. The teacher, they, they like, like, no, come on, man. You paid attention. You took notes. You followed the study guide. You probably get a B. Stop it. You know, and then you start doing well on tests afterwards. And you're like, see what this test is. You're like, no, you studied. Because you got the fear of God put in you. Because you got a D, and you're like, I can't get a D, or I'll lose everything. Right? And then the Kansas City game, like, look, we all said it, and it, it was it because he lied. I'm probably a little bit, but I don't think so. Like, not for me. For me, it was like pretty obvious. Kansas City wasn't playing well at the time. It wasn't like they blew him out. Jordan Love had plenty of opportunities. Like, you substitute Aaron Rodgers for Jordan Love, they win the game. And at the time, Arizona, who they went down there and beat without any of their wide receivers, was right there neck and neck for home field advantage. So I, I think if, if Hub is saying, and I think this is what he's saying, is like, look, he held him hostage all offseason. He made a big circus of it. He shows up late. He's not ready to play. They lose a game. Then because he's not vaccinated, like it has nothing to do with the actual process of getting the vaccine. Maybe it does. But Aaron's also saying That he knows Aaron's doing the exact same thing to Hub Arcush that he believes Hub Arcush is doing to him. He's saying it's about the vaccine. Never once did he say it was about the vaccine, being most vaccinated, the the most eligible. Because we don't know if Tom Brady's vaccinated. I think he is, but I don't know. We have no idea. I, I think Aaron Rodgers, this is what everyone's doing. They're making everything about the vaccine.
1: Be sure to catch live editions of The Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app.
0: It's Doug Gottlieb Show here on Fox Sports Radio. Joe Banner is our guest, longtime NFL executive, spent 20 years as president and CEO, Eagles and Browns. Um, Joe, let me start with the Raiders. Thing. I understand that there, there's like going to be a lot more details, but man, can you, can you fathom the way the Raiders are going to play? Nate Hobbs this weekend when he was passed out at at a at, you know outside of a casino on Monday morning? Behind the wheel of a car?
1: People ask me uh, why I haven't gotten back in the league. <laughs> I think you just answered it. <laughs> I mean, Man, these are a... impossible decisions <clears throat> that come up all the time and it's nice to sit on your couch and watch somebody else sweat it out. <laughs> no,
0: I can't. Yeah, that's <laughs> The, the, the amount of tone deafness is just, I mean, it's, 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 it's remarkable. Um, okay, let's get to some of these things. Let's, let's, start, with, let's start with Baker Mayfield. You got a guy yep. in a fifth-year option. He's, he's, he didn't play well this year. He obviously was hurt, but it was, it was more than that. Like, it, it got progressively worse, not better. You've been in Cleveland. You've been in those meetings. What do you think their plan is for the upcoming offseason and into next year because you're kind of stuck with him.
1: Yeah, I actually said the other day right before the game that we were going to watch two teams that night that are going to have new quarterbacks by the beginning of next year. And by the way, I think you said that very correctly and carefully. I mean, Baker's a lot better player than we saw this year. But is he the guy that can really take it where they're trying to get to and, and be serious contenders over a long period of time for a Super Bowl? I don't see that. And there's going to be a very interesting offseason of quarterbacks. It always gets played up just because it seems to rate well, I guess, with the public. But Oftentimes, there's not a whole lot of substance to the debate. But it will be this year, and I do expect Cleveland, uh, and I do think we'll be through a veteran if it's at all possible, we will have a different starting quarterback by next year. Um, I just think they correctly feel like they have a really talented team and they have to have a quarterback that is up to the rest of the caliber of the rest of the roster. And at a minimum, they're just not confident anymore that that's Baker. So I think we're going to see Cleveland be very active in the teams that are Looking to find a new quarterback who's already a proven commodity.
0: Doug Gottlieb, show here on Fox Sports Radio. So, how do you do that? Do you, do you have to you have to get a veteran? Like, how do you how do you do it when you already have uh, over you know, twenty million on one guy?
1: Well, your hope is that he's got some trade value because that is a huge problem. Although they have a very good cap situation, so they could technically do it if they wanted to. But what you'd ideally like to do is have some assets that you're prepared to trade to get somebody who's really good. Hopefully you can trade Baker and just get at least a little piece of it back so you're minimizing the actual cost and you're dealing with the cap problem. Now, whether that's possible or not is going to depend upon who they're interested in and how many other teams are interested in that same person. Of course, when you're working for the team, you don't really know who else is interested. You're going to be talking to a team that's going to make it seem like they've got half the league interested. And the smart teams can see through that, and the teams that aren't as smart don't see through that. And one of those, let's say not as smart teams, is liable to pay a king's ransom for something when it's not appropriate. And then if you're the Browns, I think you just got to kind of get out of the way and look for the next option. But the tricky part is they can't be sure they're going to get somebody. So how do they not alienate Baker in case he's who they have to bring back uh, and actually pursue this? I think we saw them start that last week. I mean, we saw an unusual number of compliments and explanations for Baker's season coming out of Brown's front office people and their head coach. It didn't make sense to me that all of a sudden, 15 weeks into the season, in which he's clearly struggled, whatever the reasons may be, that suddenly we have an offensive coordinator and a head coach making very positive comments about him, kind of justifying some of his failures. That's usually what happens when someone's trying to up the potential trade value of one of their players. So we don't know that for sure, but that's one of the reasons I suspect we're going to see them try to move on and accomplishing that in a way that does not irreparably damage the relationship with Baker. I mean, when he comes back, if he comes back, he's going to do the best he can no matter what he's in the last year of his contract, but you'd sure like to have him come back in a positive place. So they're a very, very delicate, tricky situation. It's not going to be easy to pull it off, but, I think they're going to go after one of these guys more likely to be a, a Watson or, or Wilson than a Rogers, because they really have been very conscious. I'd say it's conscious of any team in the league. How do we build this in a way that it can sustain itself as opposed to have a really great year or two? Um, so I think that's going to direct what direction they're going to go in.
0: Um, I, 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 again, we, I don't prep you for any of these, I, but I'm fascinated by it. I remember when the Giants were drafting Saquon Barkley. And the narrative was, hey, not only do they need a quarterback to replace Eli Manning, but the Giants are never in the top five, so take a quarterback now. They didn't. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, the following year, again, they're early in the draft. They're they're still terrible. They're still terrible. Mm -hmm. Uh, if, if, If John Mara calls you and says, Joe, you've built teams for your entire professional career. This is what you do. What would you recommend to Mara?
1: You know, the answer to the question to me is really easy. Executing it is really hard, but the answer is simple. The owner has to do two things. He has to hire the right general manager. He has to hire the right head coach. He then has to just set expectations high and get out of the way. When I say get out of the way, I'm not saying he goes to the Caribbean for four months. Like I worked for Jeff Lurie for years. Jeff was great at asking really challenging questions and making sure we thought everything through carefully. We'd done every piece of research we did. So he was engaged in everything we did, but he also, when it came to decision-making time, trusted us, but he also challenged us. So when I say that, that, to me, is the right role for an owner. hire the right people, trust them, but challenge them. So I tell him that my opinion is that they need to start from scratch. I don't see what I think you need to see in Joe Judge after two years to believe that if you give him more time, everything's gonna be fine. And how I do that is I really have A chance to sit down with some of the people I've seen build really successful organizations and I I asked them what did you prioritize in your opinion what differentiates the teams that win from the teams that don't you know what is it that you think we've been doing that's caused us to fail I mean showing real deep transparency vulnerability willingness to learn and then he's got to go in a process he's got to involve other people because he has not demonstrated that he's likely to get the right answer to this question even if he identifies the right things to be looking for so I would just be very blunt with them. I would say, listen, John, you've got to own what's happened because you have a job and it's to hire these two people and get them right. And you have hired these two people, but you haven't gotten them right. And here's how I would envision you having a better chance of getting the right. Here's some other people I'd recommend you talk to and pick their brain. And when it's all said and done, you should have a really clear picture of exactly what you're looking for and why that's what you're looking for. Then you can go identify the candidates you want to talk to.
0: I understand that the Eagles haven't played—that uh, division stinks, right? I, I get it. And I'm not a buyer long-term into Jalen Hurts, although I understand with the money that he makes, you can build a pretty good team around him, and you have the three first-round picks, so you can evaluate in the in the offseason what you want to do quarterback-wise. Would Would that make you want to go after a Watson or use that to, to, to build an incredible team, an incredible line like that they, like they built in defense? Oh, okay, but— I mean, Nick Sirianni could not have looked more like a deer in the headlights when he got the job. How has this thing worked so well? How has it happened?
1: Well, it's a combination of things, and one of which is giving Nick the credit he deserves. And for me, this is the thing he deserves the most credit for. I'm really going to say two things. One was you, everybody who hires a head coach is looking for a great leader. And this is why. When things aren't going well, great leaders can save the day. And they're sitting there at 2-5 and five with every reason to think the season's over. Let's play it out. Let's develop these young players. Let's position ourselves for really good in two or three years. He didn't accept that. And he looked at the team objectively and decided what could he do to get this season in a much better place. So that's not something a lot of coaches do. They're very entrenched in kind of how they've been doing it or what they were taught to do. So he deserves credit for that. And honestly, I put more weight in the first part of what you said. I mean, they benefited tremendously from the schedule. They not only played I think the second easiest schedule in the league, but they played four teams that were playing either their second or third string quarterback. Right. right. So I think that, that had a big impact on the record. I mean I think they forty two and seventy eight, I think, is the record of the teams they played this season. Think about that. Forty two and seventy eight. And some of those teams the week they played them were actually worse than that because they weren't even playing their starting quarterback. I mean, even they played the Panthers. They started Darnold, who was their starting quarterback at the time, but McCaffrey, and a left tackle, missed the game, and their offense couldn't do a thing. So I think that the, it's fair thing to do is say the Eagles deserve to be applauded because you can't do any more than beat the teams you're playing, and they showed tremendous in-season flexibility on changing what they were doing that led to a successful season. They should enjoy that. They deserve credit for it. But if you're taking the next step and now saying where are they – And what do they need to do in the future to get good? They better not misread it and think what happened this season means that they're close because they're not. They have a lot of help they need on defense. I was a big believer in the defensive coordinator they hired. I still believe he'll turn out fine, but he did not have a good season. The offense is getting close, but still needs a few pieces. So, The the risk here is that they think they're closer than they are and they don't make the move they need to in the offseason. Now, I work with Jeff Lurie and Howie Roseman. I think they're very unlikely to do that. They're objective and they're not afraid of criticizing themselves or being realistic about where they are. But that's the risk to me. They deserve great credit for what they did. It's amazing that they're in the playoffs. The fact that they got there because they had a little bit of luck to me doesn't diminish it at all. But it does create the possibility that you're not realistic about where you're at what you've got to do next to take the next step. Because I'm where you are on Hurts. Yeah. So if they said, "Well, oh, look at this. We just won, what, seven out of nine games. Hurts is our starter. We're rushing 200 yards a game. You know, why wouldn't he be the guy? I personally think that, at least from what we know so far, that would be a mistake. And I don't think they're likely to make that. am not talking Hurts specifically. I'm talking the roster. I don't think they're one of the teams that will just overrate their own roster because it feels good to do it.
0: Yeah, but that's the I, big. I mean, like, like, look, and I don't think he's McNabb, but McNabb had lots of flaws, but mm-hmm. it was incredibly successful, even though McNabb had his flaws, especially in accuracy, right? So it's it, it's a it's a hard it's a hard call because you do you have a tendency to fall in love with your guys when you see him and you get to the playoffs and you have these feelings. And Jalen is great at all those press conferences and the way he handles stuff, but it's it's about you know can you. Can, can you lead us back when we're down? Can you move the chains on third down? And I'm just, I'm not a, I'm not a Jalen Hurts guy in, 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 the, long, in the long term. Um, Joe Banner joining us here on the Doug Gottlieb Show, here on Fox Sports Radio. Uh, okay, uh, how appealing would would Jim Harbaugh be to you if you were looking for a head coach?
1: Well, remember, when I was in Cleveland, and this was meant to be private, but it got out in the media, we tried to trade with the 49ers for Jim Harbaugh. So I think very highly of Jim Harbaugh as a coach, and I think he could turn around an NFL franchise, and he succeeded eventually everywhere he's went. In fact, he succeeded pretty quickly everywhere he's went until he got to Michigan, where it took a little longer. Um, but you've got to be prepared to really say to Jim, this is your show. We're all getting out of the way, and we're completely trusting you. And personally, I'd be surprised if three or four years from now somebody who hired him wasn't sitting there and and being feeling pretty good about where the team was at and the record and the games they've they've won. And historically, you know, this isn't always true, but it's been true with him where there's smoke, there's fire. So in the past, we've seen rumors he was ready to move or so-and-so was interested. We get a whole bunch of denials, and then it happens. So I'm not sure there's a team out there that wants him, but from what I'm reading and looking at the history, I'm actually fairly confident it's true that he's open to moving.
0: Yeah, I, I, I think a lot of what's going on in college football, too, makes him go like, yeah, I'm, I'm good. You know, I, I, I turned this uh-huh. thing around, I'm good. I'm, I'm ready to get back to where it's, it's, it's just actually about football. Um, okay, I, 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 the, the, you mentioned the Browns are trying to build it so that it's sustainable. The Bengals went from going into the last two weeks of the season two years ago, statistically it was the worst defense in the history of the sport. Okay. Now, one of the things that's missed over this last win against Kansas City, they held Kansas City to three points in the second half. Everybody's talking about Bur- Burrow's great, um, uh, Chase is great. Like the offense is unbelievable, but the defense has been rebuilt from the ground up. Is it sustainable in Cincinnati?
1: Well, I think it's sustainable because they retained their assets in terms of future picks to keep growing and. They've managed the cap well for the wrong reasons, maybe just because they don't the they're cheap. Spend
0: they're, money. cheap. Right. Right. <laughs> they're cheap. That's
1: the wrong reason to be in good cap shape, but nonetheless, it's where they're they're at. Listen, I, I think the key to the uh, answer to your question is what they did that was really smart, in my opinion, is the teams that go a long way all have great defensive lines. And what they did after they had a reasonably uh, – Good group of players other than the defensive line was a tremendous investment in re signing a couple of key guys and signing a couple of free agents. And that can cover up so much. I mean, the Eagles won the Super Bowl four years ago with a back seven that most teams wouldn't want to play, but with such a dominant defensive line that the defense played really well.
0: So Tampa last year, <laughs> right? Tampa, Tampa last year, their defensive backfield wasn't good. Great defensive same. line.
1: Every year, you know, when you look at the teams who win the Super Bowl, there's a lot of differences. They play the game a lot differently, different coaches, different philosophies. But to me, the one thing that's consistently true is they all have really good defensive lines. Now, sometimes they're just dominant, and sometimes they're just really good. But I don't see teams getting to the Super Bowl that don't have really good defensive lines. And it makes sense. If we're in a passing league, and we've got quarterbacks throwing for three, 500-yard passing games, even against pretty good defenses, then you better be able to get pressure on the quarterback to at least slow it down. And with the moves they made in the offseason, uh, that's, I think, what accounts for the fact that the defense did improve this year. I'm still not the defensive quarter biggest fan, mm-hmm. but if you've got that kind of pressure coming from your front four and then you can vary it a little bit so you create pressures when people aren't expecting it, you can be very successful defensively in this league. So I think between the fact that I'm totally in love with Burrow and the fact that they've built a defensive front now that's going to be together for at least the next three or four years, I'm giving you a yes on whether they can sustain the success.
0: Joe, you the best. I really appreciate you joining us. Wishing you a happy and healthy new year. Thanks for joining us.
1: Same to you. Always a pleasure. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app.
0: What up, Doug Gottlieb Show? Fox Sports Radio. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. Hope you're having a great day. The Doug Gottlieb Show broadcast. It is a beautiful glorious day in southern california and as much as you're like you're annoying us i got to tell you we somehow we plowed through the uh tough couple weeks of winter right we had rain galore before the new year which has led to all your these snowstorms including that terrible one in virginia and uh then we had cold we had a, a cold snap or there was like frost on the ground and i will tell you that uh Forty degrees in Newport Beach feels like ten degrees in New York City. I'm just, I'm being completely honest. It it feels. Why does it feel so much colder? Uh, you know, what the um, I don't know how busy you are. Dan Byer can attest to this, right? Dan Byer grew up in Wisconsin, right? Like he is hardy. He grew up plowing fields in the dead of winter, <laughs> right? I mean, he was he was the guy that set up all the ice fishing huts in his hometown. He was the one that would go out and set up the, he would test the ice to make sure that it was, in fact, um, thic- thick enough. But Dan, now that you've lived out here this long, how cold did 40 degrees feel? Oh, yeah. It's uh, very, very cold. Uh, like uh, like a, a zero degree uh, afternoon in north central Wisconsin. I'm serious. I'm, people think I'm kidding. And then they're like, you know what? I've been out here six months, and you're absolutely right. Anyway, uh, we, we somehow, we made it through. We, we we made it through. It's Doug Gottlieb's show on Fox Sports Radio. Okay, I got a bunch of things to get to. Um, here's a story which, you know, look, we all know how this thing works, don't we? Um, Jim Harbaugh would consider, is starting to consider going back to the NFL. This, of course, is, you know, on the... Uh, th- this is on the backs of a year ago, Jim Harbaugh took a pay cut, allegedly to remain at Michigan, right? Went from nine million a year to four million a year. Of course, most of that was in these uh, insurance things. And, and forgive me where my acumen, again, I know about things I know about. And I know that this was proposed to me, I don't know, about 15 years, eh, 10 years ago. Yeah, 10 years ago. I remember having this conversation with my financial planner, like, hey, you should use one of these life insurance policies for, fi- you know, as a financial investment vehicle. And I was like, well, how does it work? And he kind of explained it to me. And you know how it works when somebody's talking about things you don't understand about. You're like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. I got to give you how much money in order to get how much back? Like, yeah, I'll think about it in the future. But anyway, $4 million of what he was, the nine he was allegedly making, were in these life insurance, which is a financial investment vehicle. So though it wasn't actually $9 million, he's still going to make money off of that for the rest of his life. And now I believe he can draw actually loans on that financial investment vehicle. It, it, too much to get into. The point is he did take a little bit of a haircut. So there, there's, there's a couple things that come up. One, it's his agent going, hey, if you got an offer, then we'll go back to Michigan with it. So I think that's part of it. But secondly and I think even more likely is uh, even more likely is that when you get down to it, yes, Jim Harbaugh probably more than a little upset at all the people who would call him out, not not understanding how hard it was to do it at Michigan. Considering the landscape of the sport, considering how far ahead Ohio State was, and how much he needed to fix all of these things— are real things. That there's not a guy in the world that loses a job or has to take a haircut that doesn't remember it. Everybody remembers it. You know, I I tell the story all the time that there's a famous broadcaster who, in the middle of his career lost a gig where he was synonymous for, totally known for. And everybody I know who says why he actually lost that gig, okay, why he actually lost that gig, was simply because of the previous negotiation where his agent had basically turned his bosses upside down and shook him for, got every possible penny he could have and they never forgot it. And then the next time there wasn't a negotiation, he was done. That's the opposite of what's happening with Harbaugh where, wait, you don't believe me? You're going to take back some of the money considering all the work I've done? Okay. I'll remember that. I think that's part of it. Um, I actually think he's done a great job in rebuilding Michigan and making them the Big Ten champions that they were. I think he sees the ceiling and how hard it is to maintain that status, considering all the different things working against you in the Big Ten. But, uh, like, look, if you talk to people really in college football, they will all unequivocally tell you it's a mess. Texas A&M is going to end up with the greatest recruiting class on paper that anyone's ever seen. And by most people's estimation, it's come down to their alumni's willingness to spend money 25 to 35 million estimated okay, on this recruiting class. That's gross. It's disgraceful. It's, it's just, it's gross. If you don't think it's gross, that's okay. Let me add to it. Okay? You, you'll get people who say, well, it's just like free agency. Okay, but what is NFL free agency? What is free agency in any of these things. You come in, you get drafted by a team okay? that you don't get to pick. You are drafted by a team, and depending upon the length of your contract, you're with that team. Now remember, with Collectively Bargained and all the CBA and all those other things, you really, if you're a draft pick, you're a first-round draft pick. Four years, guaranteed money, and then... You get a fifth-year option they can pick up, or you can become a restricted free agent where even if you're a free agent, your team can assign you the franchise tag. Like you, you don't have as much movement as you think. In college football, you get to pick your school. You commit to a school. You can change your mind at any time. Change your mind at any time. If you don't sign the letter of intent, you can change your mind at any time. And even if you change your mind, and you sign the letter of intent, many of these guys are getting out of their letter. So... A school spends all this time recruiting you. You say you're coming. And you're like, all right, good. You're coming. You're in. We start making plans. All right, we got this guy. We got, we got Dan Beyer at quarterback for Notre Dame next year. Right. And then Dan Beyer has a great senior season, and then he starts thinking, like, you know what? I don't know. Lincoln Riley's at SC. Maybe I want to go there. You got to re-recruit him. You finally get him to campus. Now, every year, you have to re-recruit the guy who's on campus. Remember, you got to provide him all of the different benefits as a student. You got to support him academically, athletically. Okay? You got to coach him. You got to manage that, that whole relationship with the parents, maybe the high school coach, the quarterback coach. Hey, with the kid, the kid's got the name, image, and likeness deals that, that he's out there, out there doing, and if he doesn't play... He wants to bounce every single year. Like, it doesn't just happen that Roy Williams and Mike Krzyzewski's like, you know what, I'm kind of out. It doesn't just happen that Urban Meyer, who, yes, he took the Jacksonville job. Yes, it was a disaster. But remember, he could have had, I don't know if he could have had the SC job. He probably could have had the SC job if he really wanted it. Probably could have had the Texas job if he really wanted it. You know? And as bad as, People, the perception of Urban Meyer is now. You get to the hiring cycle next year. He could take another job. A lot of these guys are getting because they're like, "This is gross. This is not what I got into it for." Ugh. Ugh. And I, I'm sure Harbaugh, they're looking in there, going, "Like, there's no way." He watched that game against Georgia, and he's like, "There's no way that we can do things." The right way. And we can get in some name, image, and likeness deals, but we can't just sell our soul and just give, get called, said, and Michigan's got plenty of boosters. But I'm sure he looked across the field and was like, we got no shot. Right? You got no shot. None. They're not just winning because they're better coaches than everybody else. They got better players than everybody else. Everybody knows it. And they got better players because for years, they've been cheating. And now they can legally cheat. But it's just, even though it's legal, it's like, eh. Eh. And even when you legally cheat and you give players... Name, image, and likeness, which is not really name, image, and likeness. Like that's a whole load of crap. The idea of name, image, and likeness is this: Okay, you're a start. You're you're Bryce Young. At Alabama, you come in, you sit, you wait, you get your opportunity, and you're awesome. And then people say, like, "Hey, man, do you want to promote my my car dealership? Do you want to promote the you know the barbecue place? Do you want to do you want sure? And you do deals here, you do deals there, and you make some money, and then you're you're good, right? Makes, that makes total sense. Name, image, and likeness. You know, you do some IG stuff. You do a commercial. You do whatever. You do it in the offseason. That's the idea of it. Giving kids money before they've ever played it down. Or giving promising kids money so that they'll leave their school to come to your school. That's not name, image, and likeness. That's just paying for play, which is what we told you would happen. And oh yeah, by the way, what we told you would happen was it was never going to be enough. Never. And you'll still get people like, why should guys sit there and play when he's not getting paid? They are getting paid. And oh yeah, by the way, no one outside of me mentions the fact that, look man, schools are not only more expensive than they've ever been, but they're harder to get into than they've ever been. You actually, I've, I've always, people are always like, but doesn't want guys to get paid. No. I actually b- truly believe, okay, that the system works and the benefits far outweigh what you're being told that way. And they already give you, if you get a Pell or a cost of, atten- you, everybody gets cost of attendance as well as your scholarship check. Like you're good. Don't have anything to worry about. If you play and you play well and you're a good dude, you're going to be able to get a job no matter what. And if you're a great player, like you're worried about the peanuts in college when you can make all the cash in, in, in football or in basketball. And, and the, the, the great example is, like, I've, I've often, I always, everybody says, like, Johnny Menzel, and he, he did this at Texas a and like, Johnny Manzel left. There's never been an empty seat at Kyle Field. Not one. And by the way, Johnny Manzel, despite the fact that his life and career after leaving a and was an abject disaster, he can still make a ton of money on his name, image, and likeness for the rest of his life because he won the Heisman Trophy, right? And he played at Texas A&M, and he was Johnny Football He can go do an autograph signing or be on their radio or he'll be in those Nissan ads forever. That's how it works. College students, you do great in college. It it helps you with your career for the rest of your career. And you can always call on your college when you need help. But now we've gotten to this dark area where you got to give everybody money before they ever play it down. Then when they get there, you got to suck up to them and play them so that they can so that they don't leave. You got to recruit them every year. And then you got to find ways to get more alums to give more and more money just to keep these kids around. Who knows if they're any good? <laughs> Only to have them potentially leave, not have to sit out a year. And then once they get to three years, they're all going to bounce to go to the NFL anyway. Jim Harbaugh is, he's, if, if he leaves, it's, I'm sure, at least a, a very large portion because he was on the sideline of the national semifinals with as good a Michigan team as he's ever had. Ain't got no shot. Got no shot. They're building super teams. This is, uh, it's all a product of what we've seen at the professional level and the movement there, and now it's on steroids here. It's gross. And that's what Harbaugh's saying. That's what everybody inside the sport is saying. Now, I know this for a fact, okay? <clears throat> Caleb Williams, of course, got a chance to play at Oklahoma. And I actually, in terms of transferring to play for Lincoln Riley, it doesn't bother me. And I like that Caleb Williams played in the bowl game for Bob Stoops. He took a look around and goes like, hmm, I wonder what it's going to be like with the new coaching staff. And he allowed that month to play out. Like, I like that. I, I hate when a, a new coach comes in and a player automatically just says, I'm going to transfer. Like, why? You don't have to leave right away. Like Go and see what it's like. When I've interviewed for college basketball coaching jobs, they've said, like, how would you handle players wanting to transfer? I would tell them, I will, I will, free you all up to transfer at the end of summer or middle of summer, give me the spring. We're going to, we're just going to play and work out anyway. See if you like it. You, you know, you can always transfer. I help you find a spot, but that's not how it works. Anyway, Caleb Williams, I, I was told, SC told him like, hey man, if you want to come and be a number one overall pick, come play for Lincoln. If you want to go somewhere just to get paid, go to the SEC. And that's the decision he has to make. And I'm sure Harbaugh, like somebody's of coach is like, ugh, no thanks. No thanks. So, um, you know, and for every Bryce Young, there's Nathan Ewers and there's, uh, what's the kid who was the starter who left and went to South Carolina, at uh, at Oklahoma? How oh, am I'm, I I'm forgetting his name? Uh, uh, Rat, Rattler, uh, Spencer Rattler. You know, there's guys that they weren't just weren't that good. And the dudes didn't like. So that that's that's what I believe is at play there. If you don't appreciate that analysis, or that if you think that I'm, uh, you know, I'm trying to keep players from something I'm not this thing has worked for plenty of time and yes college football programs make money off of off of their teams and players success do you know what else college colleges make money off of all of their students <laughs> all of them you know <clears throat> any guy who spent time in at your school they will promote that and broadcast that and ask them for money back but to me, this, it's a it's signal of the times that Jim Harbaugh's like, yeah, ugh, no thanks. Do I think he wants to get a contract re- redone? And you may think that there's hypocrisy in it. I don't. One is a job, the other one is playing a sport to help you get a degree for the rest of your life. They're not the same. A professor is not a student, hey, they're just not. A coach is not a player. And the whole thing is just, it's gross. Gross. And it's pretty obvious that there's not great leadership at the NCAA level. But a lot of that is done because the colleges don't want leadership. It doesn't matter who's there. It could be the greatest guy in the world. It can be the smartest guy. Andrew Luck's dad could, could run it and would be, you know, seen as amazing when he's hired. But at the end of the day, people, they don't want to be told what to do. We hate leadership. Name a commissioner that people like. There doesn't that no one exist. Name a president that we like. Half the people hate him. That's who we are. We we don't want to be led. And what has worked, in terms of building people's careers and lives for years, and there's no question it should be made better over time. As programs earn money, there are smart ways to do it. And what what the NCA has done is no different than honestly. What the police has done in some of these major cities. Oh, you don't want us involved? Fine. Wild, Wild West. Go for it. How's that work out for you? Poorly.